Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a podcast returner, thank you so much for joining us again. I'm Melanie Rushing and I'll be joined shortly by Alicia Smith for the seventh C in our series discussing the traits of the best teams and players. Today we're discussing being consistent. There will always be ups and downs, but those who are prepared and have purposeful routines experience those dramatic downs much less often. You know the person who seems to never slump? There's actually a way to accomplish that. Today we discuss what it looks like when players and teams are consistent and when they're not, ways we coaches could hurt their consistency or help it, and what worked for Alicia's team last season and her tips for you to apply with your team. Don't forget to grab today's freebie. It's a worksheet that helps your players create a purposeful pre-pitch routine. Whether it's on the mound, at the plate, or in the field, your routine should be purposeful and consistent so you can give yourself the best chance to succeed when the ball comes to you. To grab that, head to mentalsweetspot.com forward slash episode 29. This episode is brought to you by our free workbook, The Softball Coach's Guide to Crafting Your Dream Season. We say that softball is 90% mental, but it's not that easy to implement the mental game 90% of the time. Or can it be? Let us guide you through crafting your dream season by showing you how to implement the mental game every day without it feeling like one more thing you have to do. To get your copy of the workbook, simply head to mentalsweetspot.com and click Yes, I Am. Now let's get to the show. Today we're talking about being consistent. And not just consistent from game to game or a bat to a bat but consistent in the way you prepare so that you can give yourself the best chance to be consistent in your performance. So Alicia, tell me what it looks like for your team when they start to get to that consistent performance and what it took leading up to that with consistent preparation. Definitely a lot of patience, you know, because (laughs) as we've talked about before on, on many podcasts about the end of the season, when you want them to peak and, you know, you have a vision of coach or as a coach of what that looks like. And you just have to keep trusting the process and continue to stick to those routines. So you, you try to develop those routines early from, you know, I think the warm up that our team has done has been the same for the last 10, 15 years. It's been established early. And when the new kids come in, they learn from the older ones who learn from, you know, the kids that they played with. So I think that that's really important, but it's not just the physical routine. Of course, physical routine is important, but if you're not mentally preparing um, in the same mental routine for a practice or a game, that shows. And it usually shows when um, we start our defense. So for my team, my rule is that once, if, once they're stretching, warming up, they can say whatever they'd like or talk about whatever they like. But as soon as they pick up a ball and start throwing, They have to be focused in. There's no more talking about school and other things that are going on. It's the focus on softball. Mm -hmm. So that's part of their mental preparation for practice. And you can tell, um, you can tell definitely when they are mentally prepared for practice, when they're mentally prepared for defense and when they're not. And it always goes back to how they started throwing in their warm up. So you try to obviously send that message home and every time it doesn't go well, you know, you send it back out to the to the outfield to do their throwing, but also stress that they need to be mentally prepared when they walk back onto the diamond. Absolutely. And it's it's an easy concept. Like once you step on the field, a lot of people do like once you walk through the gate or once you cross the chalk line, you're focused in. But it's not that easy. <laughs> it's a lot of things going on. So how can you tell when your girls 
haven't focused in for practice and you can tell the routine is off. I can tell by if I'm observing their warmups and throwing, um, they are, they are not focused on their fundamentals. They're still a little chatty, a little bit slower, lazy to get to the ball. Uh, if, it, if a partner overthrows uh, someone, then they will jog after the ball and it's kind of ha ha, you know, so it's just, it's just not focused in on what they're supposed to be doing. So, um, sometimes immediately following that we'll jump right into a throwing drill and for every ball dropped or overthrown is a, is a sprint, you know, as a consequence and immediately you can tell that when they aren't ready and focused, like they need to be, it shows up there. Mm -hmm. So it's that immediate stop and lessons learned right then and there. It's not go run 15 sprints because you didn't do what I asked you to do. It's making that tie back to go back to your warm up. Were you guys physically and mentally preparing for the drill or for defense? Because when, and they, they will always answer honestly and they will say no. And it's, but that's where it really shows up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you can tell right away. So stop it and redo it. And I think, God, sometimes I could even catch my girls before they even started running or doing their warm up jog. I, they have so much else going on. Like they would come from classes stressed. They're thinking about the exam they have afterward. There's so many things going on in their outside lives. Maybe something personal happened to them. And you can just see on their face, they're somewhere else. Oh, that happens a lot. And I think it happens for, for at every level, uh, probably both female and male athletes, where mm -hmm. that's a very difficult thing to do. And like you mentioned earlier, with the as soon as you step onto the field, let it go and focus. And again, unless you kind of either A, give them the tools or, you know, give them the opportunity to vent. That's why you allow them to do whatever they like when they're stretching and warming up. They can talk about that kind of stuff if they need to event to the team or talk to a friend. That's okay to do that. If there's something, you know, in those situations where the kid just really had a terrible day, then that's when as a coach, I would personally kind of step in and maybe pull them off to the side of the field, maybe behind the dugout and just let them have a chance to let that emotion out and, and make sure everything's okay. Because there are times when it's just not, it's just not possible. And you try to make the kids understand if you're just warming up and goofing around and you're not mentally prepared, the consequences, you lose the game. Mm -hmm. and, and that's not what we're trying to do here. And that's not what you told me your goals were. So you always try to tie that back and, and correct the situation if possible right away. Absolutely. And then I was thinking of another situation. <laughs> this was my, the team when I was playing, we would run rule a team game one, come back with the same lineup and get run ruled. <laughs> clearly, clearly mental. So <laughs> what, does that look like when you can tell like the team is not being consistent from game to game or even pitch to pitch? Oh, that was the story of the 2018 season, which was very clearly documented back in the earlier podcast with the inconsistency in between games. And, you know, I tied that back to the fact that they're in between game routines that as they stood, we're not mentally preparing them for the second game. And we battled that all season long. And, you know, our specific routines and have been for quite a long time is the kids get to eat a meal in between games. Um, if we're home, for example, the girls would like to watch the baseball game. Um, they'd like to chat with their parents or their friends or, or family that have come to the game to watch. And there's an instant, your guard is let down instantly because you're not focusing on the game at all. You're focusing on these other things. And then we have a very short time in between games 
then we would be, oh, where's the pitcher? She's not warming up. And, oh, well, where's the catcher? She's watching the baseball game or whatever it may be. So you have to all of a sudden scramble. And the other team on the other side is starting to warm up. The umpires are starting to come back to the field, and you, have, you haven't even started to warm up yet. So then the kids don't get the opportunity to, you know, take any swings or any more ground balls, and then they have to jump right into a game. Mm-hmm. And we, we don't do that. We don't do that in practice. We don't do that before the first game of a doubleheader. So that was something I recognized probably a little too late last year. And that was the, like I said, the tale of two, of two games every single time. It's so frustrating as a coach. But took a step back and said, okay, what can we what can we change in our routines to help them stay more focused in between games, but still get something to eat? So we tried uh, having, okay, everyone go gr- grab your sandwich and grab your notebook. And so they would come and we'd all sit in a circle or something next to the dugout or in the dugout away from everyone. Uh, they would they would eat, but they would kind of have a moment where they would focus on their wins for that past game and what did they learn and then focus on the next game. So just documenting, writing it down, and talking to each other about the game and what they needed to do to get ready um, really helped us try to develop a new routine in between games. So I think moving forward, that's going to be one of the things we look at as a program is how do we make that in-between game routine uh, more purposeful Mm -hmm. and still allow them to get fuel. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. I got to the point where I was like, just bring the food in here, eat it whenever you can. Just make sure you're back up on the fence focusing. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's what we decided to do. I think, you know, we started that tradition of postseason because by postseason, it's usually pretty warm here. And what happens here is it's cold and then cool and then it's hot. So there's no adjustment period. So <laughs> the kids really don't want to eat those heavy meals and heavy things. So we just started asking for things like fruit and cheese and things like that in the dugout so they could kind of munch all day or excuse me, all game, and then not have to worry about in-between meals. So um, we're definitely going to do that moving forward. But it's little adjustments like that sometimes that make a huge difference when it comes to their routines. Oh, totally agree. I think just thinking about and being purposeful doesn't have to be super intense. I guess no. this is a good segue into the difference between routines, rituals, and superstitions. Like, it, you need to be very clear about this. So... All these things we've been talking about are routines. They are purposeful, but also flexible. So if you come across a game where you have maybe a longer time in between games, or maybe you have somehow an even shorter time in between, mm-hmm. you can adjust it and not have that like freak out moment inside where you feel thrown off. Mm-hmm. Rituals are something you do every time, like, <laughs> like you wearing the right shirt or the right <laughs> ensemble. That's a ritual something you believe in that's like fun but if heaven forbid something got ruined in the laundry you're not gonna think that the game is on the line you'll not be happy <laughs> about it but right. when it becomes a superstition is when those little things become something that actually affects your mindset and your play so oh my god coach i i don't have my correct batting glove like i don't feel right like, what <laughs> just grab the bat go <laughs> I actually had that happen in a postseason game. It was a semifinal game, believe it or not. And at that stage, they start checking the bats. They don't do it in districts or regionals or quarterfinals, but they start mm-hmm. checking the bat. You have a certain time when you have to go check your bat at the bat station, just like you would for any ASA tournament. And um, it didn't pass. One of my kids' bats didn't pass. And she couldn't use it in the game. It, was, it got the little red X, and she couldn't use it. 
and it threw her into such, I mean, she was very upset. She was visibly upset. She couldn't believe it was her bat, you know, and it didn't matter what bat she used after that. It, you could just tell that affected her so strongly, unfortunately, mm-hmm. that I don't think she was able to recover fully. Absolutely. You see that a lot with bats. Mm-hmm. I have to have this bat. This one feels right when really, if you look at the science of it, there's not much of a difference. So though it is a real phenomenon and I totally get it, I kind of urge coaches to like, and parents don't, don't let them get quite to that superstition phase of it. Cause then what if it does happen? You don't want to throw off your whole game at quarterfinals because of a stupid bat. <laughs> oh, I know. And I've had parents actually go buy new bats because that one's not quote unquote working. <laughs> um, I've had kids that said, I'm done with this bat. It's clearly not, it doesn't have the juju. I'm going to go back and get my other bat or, you know, something. And, um, they, it is, it is something that is so stuck in their head sometimes, yeah. unfortunately, especially when they're $400 a pop. Oh, I know they're not cheap. We all know that. <laughs> Gets a new bat and goes fine. That's $30. <laughs> Some kids won't change those though, either. And Ooh. they are ripped and smell, but they won't change them because they're their lucky bat gloves. I feel like baseball, <laughs> softball are the worst with superstitions. I think so too. And I, as you know, I am, I am slight. I've gotten a lot better over the years, but I'm slightly superstitious. But trying to go back to or downgrade to the ritual side. <laughs> Good. We can work <laughs> on it. I'm gonna hide your clothing. Yeah, please do. <laughs> well, switching gears a little bit here. What are some ways, as coaches, or just the way things are run and the way things go, that we can hurt their consistency by kind of messing with these routines? Well, I think as a coach, um, and I've probably been guilty of it too. For example, if you're in a quote unquote hitting slump as a team for two, three, four games in a row, and then you go and you just change the whole lineup, totally mess it up. Or you go and practice just maybe bunting, for example, because you're, you're very convinced that that's the only thing that's going to help them get back to hitting as opposed to just sticking through the process and working through the process and working through these slumps. But, you know, maybe, maybe taking practice a little bit differently would be a better approach from the mental side. Right. So we all struggle. We all know it happens and what happens when they struggle, they want to push harder through it. So changing up their routine and throwing them off like that could be part of actually making it worse. Mm-hmm. I think that is the biggest culprit for slumps as opposed to a few bad at bats. Or even right. like having a bad game versus just one rough inning. Yeah, and, and it happens to everybody. Uh-huh. And I think, too, for me as a coach, you know, it's how you approach that. And I, I'll never forget, we were playing a tournament one time, and it was freezing cold. It was an 8 o'clock game, and there was still, like, the ice on the grass. And it was super cold. And, and my pitcher, she's a sophomore at the time, she's out there throwing, and she probably walked six batters, hit three maybe, all in a row. And obviously I was trying to let her battle through it to figure it out. And, and I could tell after the last hit better, last walk, I said, okay, that's, that's, that's it. That's it. You're done. You know? So I, I went out to the mound. I walked out and take the ball and she's just falling and we, and she was going to be put in the outfield. So we walked together out to right field and she's crying, coach, I've never done that in my life. And I said, yeah, well now you have, so we can move on and just kind of make light of the situation because we all know pitchers have had those days. They have those games. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was so important on how I reacted to that situation. Yeah. You just chalk it up to a bad game. You chalk it up to a bad inning. 
it could have been something about, you know, maybe her warm up. you just never know, or you know what, it could have just been a bad game. So mm-hmm. I talked to her in between games because it was a tournament and I said, you know what, I'm going to start you game two. So I know you're ready and just try to help them move on from it too. Mm-hmm. What are some other ways you can help when they're getting off their own routines and starting to get inconsistent? I would, I would talk to them and have a conversation about their mental approach. For example, let's talk about hitting because that's one of the things we always talk about in slumps that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. I, I would ask them what their mental approach is and mental routine is um, both at practice and as you're in a game. And I would also have them come back and after every uh, at bat, making sure they're documenting, writing things down. You know, what did I learn from that at bat? What, what did I do well? Um, and just try to focus on, on that mental approach and the mental focus before you, before they even get up there. And usually what it is, is again, they're just, you've heard the word or the phrase oppressing. Well, what does that actually mean? Yeah. And that probably to me means that they're speeding up the game and just quote unquote trying too hard. But what that means is they're not mentally preparing like they had in the past. Yeah. Because they forget that part because they're so focused on why didn't I get a hit that last time? Mm -hmm. Oh, I missed off. They're not focused on the right things. Right. Which is kind of ironic because you always say play in the moment. <laughs> exactly. But you also cannot forget about the awesome past. <laughs> it's true and it happens. But, you know, we all know you can't have you can't have two conscious thoughts at one time. So if you're if you're focused on your mental routine, you're not focused on the things that you shouldn't be. Exactly. So and that's and that's usually one of the first things that you try to diagnose and try to figure out from a player. And like I said, they'll be honest with you. They'll talk. But it may take some patience and some time to work through that. It's not a one at bat fix, not one game fix. It's a constant learning process all the time. Yeah, we gotta keep that perspective, particularly as coaches, because it's really hard as a player. It's hard enough as a coach, but being that perspective of like. No, you are still going up that mountain. It's just, it just looks real slow right now. <laughs> Absolutely. So we have a good example I want you to share. No names, of course. Um, but something that happens to players all the time is you're just going up there and you're overthinking uh, whether it's on the mound, on the field, at the plate, and you just can't quiet your mind, can't get settled into just playing, and you're not in flow. So flow is that state where you're just reacting. Your mind is quiet. A lot of people will reflect back on it and they don't even know what they were thinking. They hit a grand slam to win the game. Like what pitch was it? I don't know. (laughs) So state of flow is just like the most calm state in your mind. You're not overthinking. You're just trusting it and going, uh, tell your story about how you helped one of the players you work with, with getting flow more often with her pre at bat routine. So yeah, this, I wanted to first like introduce the concept of a routine. So we talked about physical routine first, because that's what the kids know, right? Almost all players have some sort of routine. You know, they, they mess with their batting gloves. They do a high five with one player. They talk to each other by grabbing their face masks. They all have some sort of physical routine. So first we kind of talked about what is your physical routine when you are coming from the dugout to the on deck circle and from the on and then on the deck circle to the batter's box and very very quickly said you know i do this i do this and i, I do this with my bangles and then when i get up to the plate i do this and I, some some kids draw lines in the dirt whatever but they have a routine and she walked me through that so i said okay that's awesome that you have a physical routine and is that consistent all the time yeah absolutely so great so now we're going to add the mental piece to it 
because that has to be part of your routine. It has to be consistent and it has to be consistent regardless of outcome. So mm -hmm. this is how you can work to kind of, you know, like you said, quiet your mind and get to that flow state. So um, she had, she had a power phrase. We came up with a power phrase. I asked her to think of something like a big power phrase, like let's go power. You know, you can use any kind of words and just kind of really, really get you going. She goes, I like, I like the phrase let's ride. And I'm like, that's awesome. I said, let's do it. So let's, let's physically go to your routine. So we actually walked to the on deck circle and I said, okay, what is your routine from when you walk from the on deck circle to the batter's box? Okay. You stand here, you, you, un, you unvelcro, velcro, unvelcro, velcro your batting gloves. And I said, that's a perfect time to say, let's ride. Let's try it. So she did it. Unvelcro, velcro, unvelcro, velcro. Let's ride. I said, great. What does that mean to you though? And she says, like, just means that I'm, that's, I feel confident when I say that. Perfect. So then we walked up to the batter's box and she drew her line. Uh, and then she puts her bat next to the plate. And I said, okay, when you pull it up, what do you look at? She goes, I don't know. I just look at the bat. I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pick something very specific on your bat that's always there, like the letter A uh, on the wording or whatever. I want you to look at that spot all the time. And when you look at that spot, I want you to do the physical routine of going through a breath, really slow, deep breath. And as soon as you exhale, put your left foot into the box and then you're ready to go. I love that. I think all those things are very easy to do and it doesn't take a lot of like active, like what was the next step? But it allows the mind to think like, oh, this again, I'm good. <laughs> it allows you to focus on the right things, right? Uh -huh. And it just, it gives you, it gives your mind something to, to do and to focus on. Mm -hmm. And it helps in, it also helps you, you know, feel confident and it helps you relax at the same time. Absolutely. And one extra thing I would add was, would be to practice these routines at practice too. Not every drill, of course, you don't need to do your whole routine stepping up to the T, but practice that reading the situation, practice that deep breath before you step in the box for front toss or for your live situations in practice. And that way, again, it's more evidence for your brain that, oh yeah, I've got this. I've done this before. Absolutely. And I'll even encourage kids, for example, if they're doing a front toss station and the pace gets a little too fast, um, I might suggest, hey, if this is not the pace that you're comfortable with, because if you feel like you're sped up just because the pitcher is speeding up her, her throw or, or in between reps, take the time to step out and go through your routine real quickly to get settled back in. Exactly. And it's very easy to go too fast. I always quick pitched my curls. <laughs> I did too, actually. <laughs> Getting a rhythm. You've been throwing hundreds and hundreds of pitches. Are bad. You want, yep, yep. <laughs> Anything else wrapping this up for tips for staying consistent? I think the tip for staying consistent as a coach is to be consistent with how you approach the practice that you do and allow them to have a little bit of input into their routine, but make sure that that routine is consistent and, mm -hmm. you know, giving them the space to do that. But like you mentioned before, some of that routine can be thrown off. So throw off their routine randomly during practice as well and see how they adjust to it. And then talk them through what happens if they don't, if they don't, if, or if their um, routine is thrown off, then what do you do to get back quickly? Give them the tools to get back into their focus quickly. But I think it's just you as a coach have to be consistent with that too. And don't underestimate how important the very beginning of practice routine, warm up mentally and physically uh, both can be. Absolutely. 
And that's a wrap on this episode. Be sure to grab your pre-pitch routine worksheet at mentalsweetspot.com forward slash episode 29. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with us. We hope you're enjoying the show. If so, we'd truly appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes or on our site at mentalsweetspot.com forward slash reviews. And give us a shout out on social media and let us know what you've learned and how you've implemented these tactics with the teams. Join us next week for a surprise bonus C, culture. We thought we only had seven, but really we have eight. And it turns out this is the foundation of it all. So don't miss it. See you next week.